We are all clowns. Let us explain. So what we do on Let Us Explain is dive deep on something that we can't stop thinking about for other people who can't stop thinking about that thing too. That means we'll be talking about anything and everything, including spoilers. So you might want to wait until you've seen Joker to Mm -hmm. watch our segment or not if that's your thing. But before we jump into the spoiler zone, let's talk more generally about Joker. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he's... when you introduce me. Zach, when you introduce me, can you introduce me as <laughs> Joker? No, not you just do saw that. it. So I figured that you would know what the line was. It's Arturo Zarita. I so I asked one question. I said, out of all the movies that have come out this year, give me the best quotes. Joker is now. It had seventy five percent of the quotes on the Let Us Explain poll that we had. Seventy five percent of the quotes. Y'all, y'all haven't y'all seen haven't this movie. Seen I know y'all don't live in Canada. I know y'all weren't in Venice. They're all the quotes from the trailers. This, people are really obsessed with this movie. And there's a lot of hype for it. The question is, Zach, did it live up to the hype for you? Because you're such a big superhero fan. Yes. As uh, any loyal viewer of the Intercut podcast, any loyal listener would attest to, I am uh, the biggest comic book evangelist amongst the internet. I watch Michelle Gondry and uh, others of the sort, but this man I can't get him out of the <laughs> can't get him out of the spandex section. Yeah, so uh, obviously, though, this isn't quite a comic book movie. Nope. Uh, as, as, you, as you've pointed out before, uh, it doesn't even have the DCU logo at the opening right? of this movie. For good uh, it, reason. They open with the old Warner Brothers logo. Yep. Because it's, it's set in, uh, what is it, 70s, 80s? 70s, I want to say 70s. Yeah, so uh, it kind of tries to do this sort of old-fashioned 70s-style movie. Obviously, there's a lot of been talk about how it's influenced by the likes of films like Taxi Driver. I was about to say, yeah, you asked what date it was. I was like, well, when was Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy? Because people were coming out of the theater going, so no one told me it was a remake of just a Martin Scorsese (laughs) filmography. That's pretty much kind of what it is. Is that a bad thing? I mean, I don't know. You know, if you say on its surface, like, we're going to do a Martin Scorsese-style Joker movie, that does sound intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I do think there's a lot of other things that this this Joker movie in particular tries to encapsulate in its vision of uh, this, this violent 70s New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how successful it is at all of those things. It's definitely intriguing. It's definitely, you know, a movie that has... Uh, watchable moments and moves well is it doing everything super successfully i i don't don't know if i would agree with that statement so uh let me ask you though to to start us out what do you feel like separates this from a quote-unquote comic book film uh so as of recently and i had made the statement uh, before shazam had come out but it became official recently and i don't know if you heard dc pretty much came out and said we are not doing a cinematic universe as our, our rivals other people marvelous we are going to be doing these independent stuff and i had called it the anti-cinematic dc universe people told me to go shut up it's official now and be- with yeah. it being official it's these standalone stories which if you've been a comic book fan are really intriguing because you can go see this variation of the joke oh you don't like how that person's writing it or directing it now go watch the other one it's been happening with dc for the longest time when it comes to the cw but now that they're able to do that they're able to create things like this uh we were talking about the hangover boys having a crazy 2019 the writer just won an Emmy. Craig Mazin for, for Chernobyl. Chernobyl. The director. Todd Phillips. Man, can't stop talking about this movie, can he? Uh, yeah. In all of the interviews that he's been saying, and it's been kind of sad because it, it's been interesting. People who don't like the movie and people who like the movie are going, Todd, 
shut up. Uh, one of the ways that he pitched it, and I do want to get your opinions on that in a bit, but one of the ways that he pitched it to Joaquin Phoenix was saying, hey, Joaquin, get on this. And one of the reasons that he claims is uh, why he's been running out of interviews is because he really thought of this movie as, I said, a movie that shouldn't even have the DC logo on it. Supposedly, the director, Todd Phillips, which I keep mixing with Haynes and the other, the other one, said, Blondes. hey, I want to make this a real movie disguised as a comic book movie. The, yes, it's the most pretentious thing I've ever heard, but tell me that the movie that you just came out of isn't really a Venice winner. That it isn't in, in terms of like, uh, what, what's his name just recently did? You were never really here. In terms of what happened to Kevin, or we need to talk about Kevin. I would say even over there with Loose, in where it's like a Martin Scorsese 2019 taxi driver about this guy who's really up in arms against the 1%, but he can't get helped, and he just so happens to go into this crazy outburst if this movie is cut in half if it's by annapurna you got yourself a movie that no one's complaining about but because it's attached to the joker you do got to ask these questions uh, you and i i wouldn't say are really big on um barring a movie uh, of any other sort but this right. movie really stands on its own and it never really needed to be connected to the joker at all i think that's why it stands apart from all the other ones but i don't want to give it too much credit because man that's also logan that's also dark knight that's also a lot of really good movies i think we're in a really great era of superhero right. movies they've been adapting i'm curious your point of view as someone who isn't uh as big into all of the big blockbusters yeah so so uh obviously we we're being facetious earlier i i'm not somebody who cares much yeah, about comic book movies in general I, i'm not looking for all the little ways in which uh, this ties into other things. Easter Obviously, eggs. though, there are some Easter eggs that are kind of unavoidable. If you know, yeah. uh, if you know, like some of these characters' real, real quick, names, that work for you? No, it not not very well. Would you prefer uh, that out of it? A lot of people are hearing what that is, and they're like, "Ah, whatever." Uh, yeah, I would have taken that it's, out. It's a little, it's a little too too tied in for me mm -hmm. personally. But it, I don't know. Uh, I like. We'll, the we'll flip, get more into that. Yeah. I think when we dive deeper into spoilers. Uh, but we, you know, for me, I do feel like I was able to approach this like it was just a movie. And as just a movie, I do feel like it worked. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to say that it's, it's a ma cinematic masterpiece. I'm not here to say that, like, oh, it definitely deserved uh, the golden line at the Venice Film Festival. Uh, just for reference, previous winners are Roma, The Shape of Water, uh, uh, the wrestler, uh, it, but, best but, picture Joker nomination. Let's go! Yeah, I mean, so it's it's a high award. I mean, not every not every movie that won the Golden Lion at Venice went on to Oscar Best Picture, but it is definitely something that's typically given to something that's thought of as more prestigious. Yeah. And I do think there is a daring in approaching uh, material that is previously well known as the Joker mm -hmm. is in this way to to sort of defy backstory and give it its own spin. Um, I, I wonder how much of that is just successful because Joaquin Phoenix is such a compelling screen presence. Let's talk about it. In, uh, terms, you know, in terms of the performances that you've seen in Toronto, you just saw another incredible movie today, Parasite. Uh, where do you put his performance up there? As someone who's seen Uncut Gems count it twice times, Zach, you like that movie that much. How do, do you compare do. it? Because to me, it's really coming down to these two. Maybe Ford, Ferrari, you made some, but, but you, we don't know who's going to be lead, who's going to be supporting in that one. Uh, right. Between Uncut so, Gems, Adam Sandler, and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Can there be two actors who win for the Joker? 
Um, I believe in Oscar history, there has been a split in the awards before, but it is extremely rare, and I don't foresee it happening, uh, especially with those two in particular. Okay. Uh, although I, I'm sure they'll be in the running. I, I, I would not be surprised at all to see Joaquin Phoenix get nominated for Best Actor. Here, not only because uh, he the movie is so constructed around him, and he is so compelling in it. Uh, you know, there is... I, I think the Oscars tend to reward very per- showy performances, and that's he not to say it's time. good or bad, but this is a very, very. showy performance. Uh, you you think about the laugh in particular. They do a very interesting thing with the laugh in that it is uh, a disorder. It's a condition, a, yeah, he, that he has. He can't help but laugh in certain points because he has uh, a brain condition. Even can a the little way, card that says it. And the way that he deals with that, the way that he kind of has like these sort of coughing gagging fits as he tries to calm himself down it's it's the kind of acting that's sort of hard to deny um so i do think it's one of the great best performances i've seen this year i think it's kind of similar to his work in the master it's another movie where he's kind of wrestling with like internal demons and he's he he's trying to put himself through some physical challenges in a way i i find that performance a little bit more compelling um but because it's something that i feel like i've seen from him before i i'm almost more compelled to go with somebody like adam sandler as my favorite performance of the year really uh, because that performance in uncut gems is so one of a kind i agree with you because i would also pick uncut gems uh, Adam Sandler's performance in particular as being one of the best, but it kind of scares me. I really think he has something specifically because of what what you said. The fact that you can compare it to his previous performances, like in The Master, that's been one right. of the biggest. That's a high been, high compliment. That's I love so that movie. High. I love Every time we t- keep talking about best of the decade, that keeps coming up. It keeps popping up from a lot of people. Uh, you're right. I don't think it's as great as his work in The Master. I wouldn't even say it's as good as. Uh, I don't know. I, I I would prefer you were never really here, but it's a very yeah. showy performance, and where after you finish watching it, there's going to be arguments, and I don't know who you, I don't want to put you on the spot here between Heath and uh, put me Phoenix. On the spot. Let's do okay, it. who would you do? I mean, granted, let me give you the differences. One's a supporting, one isn't. One is mm-hmm. able to be a complete mystery, which he is, whereas the other one, you know everything, including the prescription meds and his handwriting. Right, and I do think, generally speaking, if you look at what are some of like the best or or most beloved screen performances, it's kind of easier to have a supporting role and do something a little bit daring. That's kind of the job of a supporting player. Yeah, in a it's movie. easier. Um, so I, you know, I go uh, Heath Ledger, but that's also because I think The Dark Knight is a, the superior film. Easily. Uh, uh, and yeah, that's the thing. It's like I just find the material surrounding the Heath Ledger movie to be much more effective, and his performance at the crux of it, I think, uh, it does a lot for that movie. Whereas, you know, with the Joker, it's good. I, I, I do, I did find it enjoyable, but I don't know how much I, I buy into the world that's kind of being created there. I feel like there's a lot of leaps. Uh, in really? logic and in judgment in a way that, that doesn't feel as organic. Oh, I want to talk about spoilers. We're talking spoilers eventually, right? In a little bit? Yeah. There yeah. is some stuff I want to talk about. What else did you want to... So I, I would I would agree with you the same way as well. I would also pick Heath Ledger, but I think it's interesting that it's going to be a topic of discussion. It's going to be a thing and where just like, and I'm sure you remember back in the day, they would come up to you and be like, why so serious? Everyone did the Heath Ledger voice. We're going to see... People do one of two things. Fake that laugh, yeah, that thing, or the dancing. 
uh, I was reading up on some of the stuff that he really started practicing on, and it was losing his weight until he was unhealthy, which we're supposed mm. to praise, but at a certain point, we're like, I just saw the Between Two Ferns movie, and Zach Galifianakis made a joke with uh, McConaughey and said, between you and Bill, who's going to starve themselves to death for a role first? That's almost a game that it seems to be with these gentlemen nowadays. Like, yeah. they're starving yeah. themselves or overeating themselves, in the case of Vice, uh, that they're getting heart attacks or that they're getting sick. He said he went to that extreme, so it's very showy, like you said. But, man, I see so many people doing that dance, the little thing that he did. And I didn't realize – like, he, you know that he's doing it a lot in the movie, but it isn't until you go to bed and you see him at the corner of your bedroom doing the dance that you go, wow, what the hell, man? What else What yeah, else did so, you – I mean, you, you think he should be in the running for best actor this year? Oh, I didn't think that was really a – I mean, yes, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what were some other elements in the movie that you thought were, were strong? You know, obviously his performance at the center of it is maybe the most compelling thing, but were you a fan of the, the cinematography? Did you like, I was going to bring the, I was gonna bring uh, up the, the music. Go ahead. Uh, I did like how the cinematography, because the whole big thing is that Gotham is a dump as it always is. And it's always really intriguing to see the, uh, the, the 90s version of Gotham or in 89 with uh, the more gothic version that uh, what's his name gave us, Tim Burton. And then you're able right. to see super goofy with the Schumacher one. You're able to get Batman Begins uh, and then you get Nolan's very Chicago-esque type one. Uh, I don't know what Snyder was going for with the futuristic one, but then we got this one that's literally just garbage. There's human rats, and I think they really embody it. I know it's a movie that's being shown in IMAX, uh, and I love the grain of it. It it does feel sometimes like someone trying to replicate Taxi Driver. See that as an insult? But he did a good job replicating Taxi Driver. Yeah, the, I mean, I think there's a lot of really interesting shots in this movie. I, I don't necessarily uh, think... They're not inventive, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's anything particularly unique, but you know, the, like you mentioned, the production design is, I think, very well done. It does Good. give you. We this, like Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah, it, it gives you this particular vision of uh, of yeah, the of New York is trying to create. Of uh, there's a garbage uh, workers strike. There's trash everywhere. Super rants. People are are upset, mm-hmm. uh, and you know when it sets the stage for for people to take to the streets. I, I think it carries that out effectively. I thought the uh, music did a great job of adding that eeriness to it as well. Uh, but I hand this one to you. What did you think of the supporting cast? Because he really is the main and everybody else is supporting. Some really interesting <laughs> small roles, but who are your favorites or who stood out? Yeah, um, I'm going to I'm gonna be mad at uh, Slash Film and all those websites that hyped me up for Brian Tyree Henry Please, and Mark Maron. Dude, for, dude, Mark Maron especially. They got like one, two lines. Yeah, they made it seem like, oh, thing. they're here. But like, what's his name in Batman v Superman uh, in the wheelchair? Uh, our boy, Scoop. He had more lines than these two yeah. combined. Yeah, it, it that was a disappointment. But, uh, you know, I actually was not in love with the Robert De Niro performance in this movie. Why? Talk about it. Some people are upset as well. I mean, I do think it is a little bit going against uh, what is thought of as the Robert De Niro type. Not that he's not allowed to go outside of that type, but, you know, to picture him in this kind of late-night, jovial, jokester role, it's just hard hard to really get that from him. And he makes a turn in this movie that just doesn't really work for me in terms of what his character is supposed to be. I feel like maybe another person could have pulled that off. 
I just didn't buy into the exchange uh, between him and Walking Phoenix that happens late in this movie. Maybe that's the script. Maybe it's his performance, but uh, I don't know if his performance helped it. I thought it was the direction. They wanted to do something very particular. And they're like, okay, now switch the complete tone of the interview now. And it's like, but that's not yeah. what, uh, I don't think that's what the late So that night, moment yeah. didn't work for you either. There are moments, uh, as we're in a couple of other TIFF films that we had mentioned, where, yeah, in order to get from point A to point B, characters will do something that would not have been the thing, that would not be happening on live television, several things like that. But it leads to a climax, and there's a lot of different turns. And I guess if I was comparing it to the closest movie that came out this year, it's very Once Upon a Time. Uh, Not as long, but in the sense of where it's a bunch of buildup before things really hit the fan. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about how things hit the fan. Uh, we're going to open this thing up to spoilers. If you're afraid of, afraid of the truth, there are a lot of other intercut videos that you can watch on the channel or on our podcast feed. You can listen to them. So uh, thanks. See you next time. But stay with us if you want to yep. see some. If you want to hear our thoughts on Joker. Uh, so yeah, the the movie develops in a way that there's grows a bit of a mythos around the Joker, but not in the way that it's been depicted in previous comic book films, he sort of incidentally kills three people Mm -hmm. and the newspapers spread the story of a clown who, a guy in clown makeup or a clown mask who murdered three people. And uh, it sort of spins into this class war. Yep. What we said was one of the biggest themes in TIFF. So clearly the uh, people, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the way that classism is portrayed in uh, Parasite, one of our favorite movies of the year. But this is another one in which the ideas between the, the idea of the rich versus the poor is prominent in the movie. And that was my favorite uh, part. Know, of the, that was my favorite part of the movie. Of this movie. Did it work for you or no? Because this is where it starts bringing in characters that are combined, and I'll, I'll just mention it here. Uh, first and foremost, it's realizing that this version of the Joker is its r- true just standalone. Do not compare this to the guy who blew up boats or hospitals. Right. Do not compare this to the guy who killed a young kid named Robin. Do not compare this to the guy who ripped off his own face. This is Arthur, and it's a story of how Arthur can become the Joker. Is there a responsibility knowing that this character is really big? Maybe. We'll get to that. But as a character named Arthur... This is a guy with a mental illness, as he says himself. He's writing his own dark thoughts that uh, too many of our subscribers are quoting back to us. But it's a dude who is in the system, and the system spits him back out. Because the rich need to have their own narrative. And the rich, as we know in this world of Gotham City, is the Waynes. Yes. So So let's go uh, back and forth with this. Yeah. Thomas Wayne is a prominent figure in this movie. He's running for mayor. He's, you know, a rich man in Gotham. He's on the news. Uh, He calls people a bunch of clowns, which is part of what one of the big things. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting because we talked about a previous movie that got kicked out because they were a little too close to the uh, side of saying, uh, was it deplorables? Yeah, exactly. This is a very interesting way of fitting it into that universe. And then everyone gets mad. I don't know if uh, Thomas Wayne is exactly a Hillary Clinton figure, but take it for what you will. For what it is, but it was interesting to see that that clown actually really affects, and yes, the word society is used several times, Uh, and and Joker does say it himself, for those who are very curious for that one. He instigates pretty much a riot that everyone is able to get along because there's going to be a lot of interpretations of the movie where he's clearly disturbed, but Arthur never kills anyone bad, quote, unquote. The three right. employees were bullies, in a sense, who were trying to harass a woman. 
should did they deserve death? I wouldn't say so. Uh, but those are the first three. They're 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 Wayne employees. The following right. ones would be the people who bullied him at work that caused him to have the snap. And then one of the big ones would be the one done on live television, Christie style, uh, with Robert De Niro. Right. Um, so which work? Yeah, which didn't? you know there. Starting with the three men that he kills on the subway, there's a moment that he has with Zazie Beats, which, you know, later we find out we're in the spoiler section, obviously, uh, to to have been imagined. I hated that so much. Not I that hated it happened, that, too. I hated how they revealed it. I was like, that's so corny. I don't want to rewatch those scenes again. Yeah. Um, but she she says something to the effect of, you know, screw those guys anyway. But I just didn't necessarily buy the logic of it. Like, I get that there's resentment between, you know, the rich and the poor. But it, it's one thing for there to be, like, resentment. It's another for there to be, you know, active bloodlust for for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you look at other movies that have dealt with the idea of, like, tension boiling over and maybe it's unfair to compare this to something like do the right thing Mm -hmm. but things develop so organically and build so slowly you like it's like a like a pot that that's just starting to boil you know you see those first little uh little bubbles before it really really goes i I just kind of felt like this movie turned on the heat really quickly towards the end especially for it to come from zazzy you're right i feel like it didn't have that one person the person it did ended up being his little brother, Thomas w- or Bruce Wayne, and again, it's one of those things where I don't think it should have been connected to DC at all. But it gives you a bigger platform, and with that, connecting it to DC is the only glimmer of hope you have because this movie ends hopeless. It ends with him being the king he wants to be. Everyone is rejoicing him. He is not a bad guy. The world is with him. They want to do more murders on his behalf. It yeah. becomes this crazy. I want to talk about that for a second, though, because you know I think there is this. Uh, there's this conversation around the idea of putting the Joker front and center, putting a bad guy front and center in this movie and, and the whether or not it's sort of celebrating him. And it I does. do feel like, well, I do we feel like, like the movie, the movie but it makes does. it clear. I think the movie does make it clear that what he's doing is supposed to be horrifying. Right, but isn't you the know? law also say that murder is, it doesn't change the fact that people still do it. Now, again, you and I both agree, don't get it, Next up in any way, uh, as we get to this portion of it, 20-something minutes in, that, yeah, there's it's going to be this discussion of whether you're able to have that character or not, but none of us complain about, we need to talk about Kevin, Elephant, or Elephant, however he pronounces the, the Gus Van Sant movie. There's been right. plenty of those. and I think both of those movies uh, uh, do a good job of depicting the those people who commit these atrocities as, as either troubled or you know, wrong mm-hmm. as having now, done I'm wrong. Playing, I want to play devil's advocate because I usually don't get to play this role of the censorship yeah. because I'm very much on the opposite side. But is there not a responsibility when it comes to Joker knowing good and well that it can cause something? And I say this as someone who is not speaking for the director who is upset it happened, but looking at the cast and crew who weren't prepared for this, who weren't ready, who for whatever reason took no responsibility. We've mentioned the BVS crew and the Snyder Cut people. They're defending a movie where there's heroes. Defending this movie, you're defending something that's vile. Would you say that there's a responsibility in making a movie that's this grand, knowing that people can stand behind it, to the point that in our screening at Toronto, Warner Bros. had security. They've right. been tipped. They know. Right. I I would say, though, that, you know, there there's so much violent material out there. I agree with you. That t- to start feeling like there's some sort of 
things that we need to be to to be censored would mean we'd have to reevaluate quite a lot a of lot. films that are are in existence. You know, if that's the conversation you want to have, maybe this conversation you want to have. I don't think that's not a conversation that needs to be had. I think for the most part, it's when you approach material like this with the wrong ideas already in mind that maybe it activates something in you. But I don't think that the movie by itself is any kind of like indoctrination to evil. In fact, I think it's like a I I think it wants you to be shocked at what evil can do. I don't know how successful it is at doing that. You know, this is where I think Todd Phillips may, may be fails to to be marty scorsese oh uh, is that is that it both kind of celebrates the joker and demonizes him what did you get out of the movie i have a very specific theme i got out of the movie and i agree with you to stop playing devil's advocate here i don't believe that a movie holds the responsibility but it's also fair to say that hey having a bar open around the corner of an aa meeting club will tempt certain people Uh, having this movie, you just, you don't know who's watching what and what triggers what. That is the case. It's, it's a gamble for everything. This one, uh, bet we also believe in free speech where if you want to make a movie like the Joker, you're allowed to make it. You just have to take the criticism that comes with it as well. Yeah. Hopefully nothing happens, but that's the case with it. What did you get out of it? Because I have a very specific theme I got out of it and it includes the Wayne storyline that really does sympathize on Arthur. So. And he's not a villain. Like he's a victim. yeah, yeah. No, what I what I got out of it was that the movie wants you to to be wary of maybe wary is the wrong word, but basically that 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 people should all be treated with respect and be considered, and it can't just be a society of haves and haves haves not because the have nots have the power to mess stuff up for the haves. Interesting. Okay. I see it very similar. Well, keep going if you have something to add. No, I mean, like, I don't know how successful Todd Phillips is in necessarily communicating all of that. That's that's a whole other thing. Mine was, uh, in your opinion, a big storyline is, oh my goodness, Arthur realizes his mom might in fact have slept with Arthur, Wayne, and uh, that's my father. At the end, it turns out it's not. Was it or was it not? Because I have my facts. I'm calling him facts, but I have it pretty solidified that it, it is, in fact, his father. He instituted his mother. And then we find out with the letter that officially says, yeah, they were a thing. He claimed, no, I never did anything with your mother, never even talked to her. Well, he was sending letters. So it's very clear that he created the entire thing, as rich as you are, to, oh, you had a mistress? All right, now let's go hide it. Now let's go call it abuse. Now let's go fake the adoption papers. Let's go fake everything else. And it's showing that abuse of power and what you said, that eventually you cause a boiling pot of pressure. All these things because you're rich that you can throw away and mess with. One of the beautiful parts in the movie, sad, is he. someone tells him, go to therapy, man. And he says, I can't. They yeah. cut funding. That's yeah. the movie that's getting overshadowed between, oh, look, this guy who's hungry for... You know, violence, uh, which it has to lead to because it's the Joker. But yeah, so I I totally agree with you. But like, I I think that's also 
where the movie isn't necessarily great at communicating. I agree. It's those not things. parasite. It's not parasite. But yeah, yeah, it's more focused on the the revenge on the look at how know, skinny this guy settling is. petty grievances. Whether that's like oh somebody made your life difficult at work or caused you to get fired, they're worth uh, including in your bloody massacre. Mm-hmm. I think it's so effective as I've been saying at seeing how scary this guy is that there are moments like yes. when he kills the first co-worker but he allows the other one to get away but the other one and I'm, I'm blinking on his name he can't reach right he can't reach that the was th- everybody probably the most effective moment in the movie I like you know right it, it's it's the moment it. where you sense how much I of a sense dread is yeah it, it's the one moment where you're really like I, please, please don't do this. Please, please don't do this. I don't think, and that's what I wish more of the movie was like. Yes, I don't think there's been a villain that actually made you go, "Oh, this isn't going to turn out well because we actually like somebody else." Most yeah. of the scenes are set up for you to like the guy who's doing the wrong. Mm-hmm. But when you're able to put him in that position, dude, I let's, was scared out of my mind. Let's revisit that scene with Robert De Niro now that we're in spoilers okay. because I think that's one of the things that that scene gets wrong is that. While Robert De Niro is saying, you know, the right moral argument, he's kind of doing it in a bullying fashion. And that's maybe just because he's Robert De Niro and he's got like a imposing presence. what the Chris script told him to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I just don't. I felt like that wasn't as effective. I feel like, you know, you put somebody who's trying to be a little bit more empathetic with Joker in that moment. And when Joker turns on them, it's a much more tragic and haunting thing rather than, you know, part of his, like, entertaining plan. Yeah. And, and so, I don't know. I That whole talk show bit did not work for me. I mean, it even goes back to when he's doing the thing where he's practicing with the gun. Yeah. Uh, all the way back to when... Because the real break comes, and again, this is why I say that. I, I was talking to a couple of people who came out of the movie, and again, uh, did you fall on it still being his dad or not being his dad? Because some people came out saying, no, it's not his dad. I was like, I... I, I mean, I fell on... The, at the When the movie ended for me, I assumed it wasn't his dad, but you you make oh, a compelling argument. Oh, I will... Yes, because by the end of it, remember when he kills his mom out of anger, he then finds the postcard. That's when he loses it. That's when right. he loses it, when he realized, this is what this man pushed me to do. So he says, I'm so, going to break everything. Do you... Did you find the way that the movie dispatched of the Wayne satisfying? It's the worst part of the movie, without a doubt. There's a certain aspect where something has been done so many times. How do you not rush a scene but still drag it out? I don't yeah. know how it was both at the same time. It felt the most generic way of capturing that moment. Uh, we are talking about the very infamous Wayne murders that happen in the alley after they watch uh, Zorro. Uh, for whatever reason, that's part of the climax of the movie. I worry that they were just going to mimic 89 and just have it be Joker do it. Uh, mm-hmm. It ends up being just some random dude. Uh, I'd have to see it again if there was an Easter egg in there. But I, dude, it just—I am the Batman fan, right? You, you're hearing me name all these things. It just—it's the most generic one. Like even um, Snyder took his time with the beads, over overemphasizing. Here it was like they wanted the best of every incarnation of that scene, yeah. and it felt so corny. They wanted the bead action. They wanted the zoom in on the gun. They wanted. I was like, I, I don't get it. But again, it leads to the only hopeful part of the movie, and that's look at this young boy who will grow up to not have a personal life uh, to stop this clown hope yeah uh another beat that didn't quite 
yeah. work for Still me. Still an although, incredible performance. You know, I think this is going to be a performance that people are yes. going to be talking about for a long time. I think that's ultimately the thing that sets yeah. this movie apart is it's got this really not so insane performance at the center of it themes that try to say something but as you can see get muddled everywhere people defending it or people hating it don't even know where to argue because there's no answers it's just muddled but this performance is really the thing that stands out the most and i think that's the reason people are watching it it's a complete body performance you know it's it's the way he walks it's the softness in his voice it's the way he laughs uh it's truly committed acting, so it's it's great. But yeah, I just don't think the movie itself necessarily has enough to say uh, to to stand up to quite the level of that performance. Not that it's bad, like it's, and it's entertaining. And I I sat there, you know, fairly riveted. And and like I mentioned, there was points where I thought it was effective. I just I don't I don't know. Uh, I think what I'm disappointed at is that it wasn't maybe like amazing. I think there's definitely there's definitely the groundwork for it to be. I think I mean, I know we've gone to the spoiler aspects, but if you've heard this uh, by the end of it, I think if you're excited for this movie, it's going to have everything you want and more. I think if you've been skeptical about this movie, you're going to go in there and it's going to check off every single fear that you had about this film. There's no easy answer to it. Uh, It's very interesting for this to be one of the most polarizing one in a year full of a movie by Universal that got shut down, a movie called Jojo Rabbit that was very split in its inception on whether you should laugh at that or not. But this becomes the king of them all, Joker. Yeah. Uh, Any final thoughts on Joker? Other than that, be safe while you're watching it. Don't be be Joker for Halloween. Uh, And go Adam Sandler for the Oscar. Yeah, um, let's give the Sandman an Oscar 2020. That's all for this edition of Let Us Explain on Intercut. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, at ZShevich, or check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash art. Where can people catch more from you? You can find me at Let Me Explain on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, also the A to Z show, any of the two. I think they simultaneously pop up together now. Uh, but you can find me every week here on the Intercut Podcast. Yes, you can listen to every episode, every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I like Overcast. And make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment for all of you. Find new episodes of Intercut every Thursday. Please leave us a comment, like the video, and consider consider heading over to iTunes to leave us a five-star, five-star review. Like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from all of our guests on the Intercut Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, we live in a society.